You're listening to Special Education Matters, a regular podcast about things that matter in special education. I'm your host, Michael Bull, and I am the proud father of an 18-year-old boy with autism. Today is our first show in our special series, A Beginner's Guide to the IEP. You may notice your child is not as successful as other students, or maybe your district is suggesting some additional assessments. Ultimately, these assessments may generate an IEP meeting. That's an individualized educational program. Today, I talk with CSNLG lawyer, Linnea Murray, and she provides an overview of what the IEP is all about. Enjoy the conversation. Linnea Murray, so great to talk with you today. Oh, it's great to be here. Thank you. Okay, so it's our first show together, and we're going to talk about something important, the IEP today. And let's get right into it by asking or asking you to tell us, what is the IEP? Can you give us an overview of it, please? Yes, I can. So there's a few things to know about the IEP, and those um, there are some differences depending on whether you have an initial IEP or an ongoing annual IEP for a student who's already receiving special education. In this podcast, we are going to talk mostly about the initial IEP meeting, and then we might refer to annual IEPs as we go. So, (laughs) backing it up, an IEP is an individualized education program. And it is exactly what it sounds like. It is an education program that is individually tailored for your child. Mm-hmm. All right, but not and everybody gets one, right? No, unfortunately, not everybody gets one. I think in a perfect world, every student would be looked at as a unique individual. And we would do assessments and we would find out exactly what they need to make progress at school but that is not the way that our system is currently set up. So under the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, or IDEA, only students who are entitled to special education will receive an IEP. Okay, so you have to qualify for it. So I guess there's a couple things to talk about here is, like, how do I qualify or request it as a parent? And then also if I do that, like, what does it actually look like? So maybe we'll start with the qualification aspect. So either as an educator or as a parent, I can request an IEP that be done or let's find find a way to get the student to be qualified for it, right? Yeah. So a request for an IEP can happen. It can start with the parent. It can start with the school administrators or teachers. And basically what you want to do if you're looking to get an IEP or if you're a teacher and you suspect that a child in your room might need extra help because of a disability is you want to make a referral for assessment and each school and each school district has a different way of doing that. If you're a parent listening to this, then you probably want to write a letter, make sure you sign it and keep a copy of it saying who your child is, what grade they're in, what classroom they're in, what you suspect might be going on that's interfering with his or her ability to access his education or her education and then just request an assessment to be done. And so by requesting it, does it have to be done at that point? Does the school district, they have to do it? Yeah, so the law says they do, and sometimes they're not really good about following this law. But within 15 days from the date of referral for an assessment, the school district is supposed to propose an assessment plan for an initial assessment. And I guess we should pause and say what an assessment is pretty quickly. Sure. So 
an educational evaluation is how schools determine how your child is functioning. So they can be in many areas. There's psychoeducation evaluations, there's speech and language evaluations, there's social emotional, there's educationally related mental health services. So there are many areas in which a child can be evaluated or assessed. And as a group right now, we're just using the big word assessment. So when you request an assessment, they have 15 days to give you an assessment plan. And then you as a parent have the responsibility to review that assessment plan, talk with the school if you think changes need to be made, Mm -hmm. and then provide consent in writing for this one. And then the district has about 60 days or exactly 60 days to complete the assessments and hold an IEP team meeting to discuss the assessments and determine whether or not the child is eligible for special education and related services. Now, I feel a little bit at a disadvantage as a parent because I probably wouldn't know exactly what sort of assessments to request. I might not be aware. I would just know my student isn't doing as well as the other kids in the class or as well as his or her peers. Mm -hmm. So I think the most important piece of this is if, if if it's what you've just described, like, oh, she doesn't seem to read or she hasn't figured out the ST says T. Like that's mm-hmm. not quite happening. Then what you're looking for is the the main piece, which is a psychoeducation evaluation. And that's something that almost every single assessment should include. And okay. I see very few where that isn't the case unless it looks like it really is a behavioral um, or emotional mental health type issue that a child is having. So as long as you're getting that, and then hopefully identifying further areas that may be needed for assessment. A good school psychologist who does a psychoeducation evaluation will point out areas of deficit that weren't included for further assessment. Ah, okay. And if you don't have a good school psychologist, there's a lot of resources available online from evaluators, and that can give you a good place to start. But as your general, I know my experience is our son's a psychologist, school psychologist was quite good back when he was younger and we were first requesting services. Is that your experience as well, that generally in the district that person's probably going to be pretty qualified? Yeah, I think I think so. The problem I would say is it, oftentimes this is their first job and they've only worked for schools. And so for, on that, there's a little bit of bias. They're not going as deep as we'd like when they're independent to say, oh, and all of these extra areas of need should be identified. But in my experience, my my stepson also happens to go to a great school. He has very good school psychologists who have done tri-evaluations and initial assessments for him. So yeah, I think they're, they're a decent resource, but I wouldn't take everything they say as law. Okay, got it. All right, I think that kind of covers the overview of the IEP. And then in the next show, we're going to talk about what we should do to prepare for an IEP. Thanks for listening to another edition of Special Education Matters. For more information, including show notes, head to our website, csnlg.com slash listen. And if you like what you hear, please uh, consider giving us a review on iTunes. Those reviews bring us lots of happiness. I'm your host, Michael Bull, and we will talk again soon.